Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you some more creepy, crawly stories for your spooky evening. Yes, welcome back for another episode here at the end of March 2022. In fact, as I speak, tomorrow's the last day of the month, so I managed to squeeze in the second episode for this month. I always like to try to do at least two episodes a month with everything else that goes on, because I don't want to ever leave this uh, podcast hanging. And tonight I'm going to bring a very special story to you. But first, as always, I want to invite you to my website, myhaunteddolls.com. Go out there and shop, shop, shop till you drop, drop. Well, don't drop, but shop. (laughs) I have baseball caps and bumper stickers and even car tags and mugs out there brandishing the myhaunteddolls.com name. But also, all of my books that I've written are out there. They're nonfiction books with ghost stories and tales of my haunted items in my collection. And there are supernatural novels like Haunts and Patty Doll and others that are based on true haunted places and haunted items. So be sure to check those out. And of course, my newest book. Dark Awakening and Other Tales for a Midnight Hour. That's a little collection of my own original scary stories. So be sure to check those out. I think you'll enjoy them. I'd love to share one here, but I want you to read the book. So be sure to check that out. I've got a few of my books on audio, Audible and Amazon and iTunes, but... Also, every book I have is on Kindle if you like to read ebooks. So you can find them anywhere Amazon, Books a Million, Barnes and Noble has some. I've even seen my books on eBay. <laughs> so they're not hard to find. But as always, you can go to My Haunted Dolls and get you an autographed copy. Also, you can follow the link on the links page to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash my haunted dolls where you can see some of the videos I've created with evidence of the captures some of the EVP and other captures from my haunted collection and the haunted places I've been to and there are some story videos out there of my items and also every Tuesday night we do a live show I do a show with abnormal Alabama where we talk about all kinds of creepy and strange subjects. And I mostly try to do a live spirit box session with a doll or item in the first 20 minutes of the show every Tuesday night. So you can come watch live and comment, even see your comments come up on screen. And while you're at it, please give Abnormal Alabama a like and visit AbnormalAlabama.com. And now on to the story for this episode. This story is special because it came from my neighborhood where I grew up. It's a story I heard when I was a kid, which may or may not be just an urban legend. I'll let you figure that out. 
Actually, though, I found out years later that one of the dolls in my collection is connected to it. But I'll let you uh, read my book, My Haunted Collection, to find out more about that. But this is a story from my old neighborhood in West Jefferson County, Alabama. And it's called Cammie's Ghost. Our neighborhood, Shady Leaves, was comprised of three streets, the main street that led into the neighborhood, a smaller back street that branched off from it, and a third, even smaller street that branched off from the second. Houses lined each road on both sides. On the third street, a vacant lot rested at the end. Most of the children I grew up with passed around stories of a house that once sat in that lot, but was long ago burned down and cleared away. It is believed the parents of the neighborhood destroyed the house years ago in an attempt to erase the evil that once occurred in that house inside its walls a two-story suburban house that was once home to a couple with a little daughter named Cammie. Cammie, which was short for Camille, lived with her mom and dad on that property sometime back in the early 70s, right after the neighborhood was built. Cammie was the only child of Dell and Alice, a couple known for their heavy drinking and quick tempers. Dale worked at the local steel plant and at night often frequented the local bars before returning home. Alice, a stay-at-home mom, dealt with a mental condition all of her life which caused her to have mood swings. When Dale returned home each night, He and Alice usually clashed in such a way that the neighbors of that back street heard every syllable coming from those walls. Unfortunately, Dell and Alice sometimes took out their frustrations on little Cammie. Neighbors never ceased to be taken back by Cammie's beauty. The little eight-year-old strongly resembled a china doll with her flowing dark hair, crystal blue eyes, and porcelain skin. Such beauty made it quite easy for neighbors and teachers alike to notice when the bruises frequently showed up on her face or arms. The same explanations came from her mother time and time again. Oh, Cammie fell down the steps outside, or, oh, Cammie fell on something in the backyard while playing. No one ever actually witnessed her parents abusing her. Therefore, no legal action could be taken. Everyone knew that if something was not done soon, 
the abuse would turn tragic. Their prediction shortly came true. One evening, Dell came home in a drunken state and became enraged at Cammie over her accidentally breaking a glass in the kitchen. Yanking Cammie up by her arm, he dragged her up the stairs and into her room. Alice followed with a belt. They took turns beating her with the belt, using the metal end, over and over, while Cammie begged and pleaded. Soon, blood oozed from the cuts in her skin and from her mouth and nose. Dell and Alice did not let this calm them down. They continued beating and beating until Cammie's small body was swollen and bloody all over. Dell eventually became so enraged that he used his bare fists. The blows to her head were nothing short of fatal. Cammie eventually lost consciousness. She never woke up. Dell took her bloody, battered corpse and tossed it into her bedroom closet. After a few days went by, the school's concern for Cammie's absence grew. They reported the missing child to the police. A county sheriff's deputy went to the house just to check on the family. When her mother opened the door, her appearance left no doubts that she was under the influence of drugs. The smell of death inside prompted him to search the house. Cammie's body was discovered still curled up in a bloody heap on the floor of her bedroom closet. The police arrested Dell and Alice. As the story goes, Dell spent the rest of his life in prison, and Alice was locked away in a mental institute where she reportedly died a few months later due to unknown causes. Cammie's body was given a proper burial in the cemetery of a local Methodist church. The house remained empty for almost a year until a couple from Georgia moved to the area and purchased it. Their 13-year-old daughter, Tina, automatically took a dislike to the house, sensing something was very wrong there. Her parents explained away her feelings on her just being upset about moving away from her old school and friends. They shrugged it off and settled into their new home. Tina moved into Cammie's old bedroom. Right away, she noticed a funny smell that came and went in her room, but its source could not be pinned down. Her father believed perhaps a mouse had gotten itself trapped in one of the walls and died. Tina refused to believe this explanation and felt it was something more sinister. The family knew nothing of the events that took place in the house the prior year. However, 
the past, as it often does, soon came to light. Late one night, a few months after moving into the house, Tina awoke in her bed to a sound she could not make out at first. Sitting up in bed, she listened closely to the sound which now seemed to come from her closet. Straining her ears, she finally made out the sound of a whimper, a child's whimper. Tina slid out of bed, and the noise stopped. The first thought to enter her mind was that she must have still been asleep, or perhaps she had just heard a neighbor's child. Not giving it another thought, she slid back into bed and fell asleep once again. The next night, Tina awoke to the same sound, only this time it came louder. Tina knew she was wide awake. She lay in bed and listened to the sound. After a few moments, realization entered her mind that the sound was coming from her closet. Eventually, she climbed out from under her covers and crossed the room to the closet door. Grasping the knob in her hand, she yanked open the door and the whimpering automatically ceased. Peering inside, she found only her clothes hanging neatly inside and her shoes resting in rows on the floor of the closet where she left them. Closing the door, Tina returned to bed. The next morning, Tina told her parents about the incident over breakfast. Naturally, they shrugged it off as only a dream. Tina knew otherwise. Later that evening, she developed a headache and excused herself to bed early while her parents remained in the living room downstairs watching television. Tina retreated to her bed upstairs and fell fast asleep. A few hours later, she awoke to a familiar sound. Only this time, it was much louder. The distinct sob of a child drifted from her closet. Frightened but overly curious, and also fed up of the unexplained noise, Tina hopped out of her bed and stormed to the closet door. With every step closer to the door, the sobbing grew louder. Tina grabbed hold of the knob and noticed immediately how icy it felt in her hand. She threw open the door and peered inside. Down on the closet floor, much to her horror, Tina did not find her shoes in neat rows. This time, the image of a small girl curled up in a fetal position lay on the floor, her eyes squeezed shut, her small hands curled into fists, blood and tears streaming down her face onto her dress. 
Blood also poured from open wounds on her face, arms, and legs. Tina erupted into a fit of screams and raced from her room. She fled down the hallway and down the stairs, skipping every other step as she ran. Before she could reach the bottom of the stairs, an enraged female voice broke the air above her and froze her in place. Cammy, stop right there. Tina slowly turned and looked to the top of the stairs. Standing at the landing above, the apparition of a woman glared down at her. Blood spattered across the apparition's dress as she held up a leather belt high in her hand. Come back here. How dare you run from your mother? I must teach you obedience. Tina found her voice and screamed once again. Screamed in terror, her voice filling the house. Finally regaining movement in her legs, she bolted from the stairs into the living room where she was met by her already alarmed parents. Sobbing, Tina blurted out what she'd just witnessed in her bedroom, closet, and on the stairs. While her mother kept her in the living room and attempted to calm her down, her father searched the entire house, but found no signs of intruders. Tina's closet sat empty other than her clothes and her shoes. She refused to ever return to her bedroom. Eventually, her parents began having their own experiences of the ghostly child weeping in the night and the shouts of an angry mother. When they finally learned of the tragic history there, they quickly moved out. The house once again sat vacant. Neighbors and passers-by soon told of hearing strange cries and shouts from the house at night. The property never sold again. Eventually, a mysterious fire burned it down only to a foundation. Some say the neighbors on that street grew tired of the evil place and decided to destroy it. But there was never any evidence of who or what caused the fire. The remains were eventually cleared away and only the vacant lot remained. Though the house was destroyed, the hauntings refused to die with it. Shortly after the lot was cleared, neighbors reported seeing Cammie's spirit prowling the property at night. The ghost was mostly seen standing near the edge of the property, close to the street, her arms outstretched as she cried out to the night, tears streaming down her face and blood trickling down her flowing dress and legs. She always seemed to be waiting for someone 
to come save her, to care for her like she'd never been cared for in life. People in the area began to steer clear of that section of the neighborhood, especially at night. Because no one came to her rescue, apparently Cammie's spirit decided to expand her haunting to the rest of the neighborhood. One night, a young girl named Sarah, who lived on the main street of the neighborhood, awoke in her bed to the sound of whimpering. Sitting up in bed, she saw the apparition of a little girl standing in her room at the foot of the bed with her arms stretched out, beckoning for Sarah as she cried, blood spilling down her dress. Sarah screamed in terror, and the apparition vanished. Soon, reports began flying around the neighborhood of different people in different houses waking up at night to find the same apparition in their bedroom, always standing at the foot of the bed, always crying out with her arms outstretched. The apparition could appear on any night in any house of the neighborhood. There was never a rhyme or reason to her appearance. No one knew when or where her spirit might show up next. This, of course, caused widespread panic in the area and resulted in some of the neighbors abandoning their homes. Eventually, the reports died down. The sightings of Cammie became less and less frequent, but the legend remained. Children of the neighborhood still often scare each other with taunts about the ghost. Better watch out, or Cammie might show up in your room tonight. The story of Cammie would then be related again to yet another generation of audience members, and it continues today. No official report exists confirming the story of Cammie and her parents, or that they lived, ever lived, in the neighborhood, or that there was ever really a house in that vacant lot. The legend, however, lives on. From time to time, some report still seeing her in different areas of the neighborhood and those who relate her story will share the same belief for why her ghost continues to haunt. She's just looking for a loving family to take care of her. hope you enjoyed that gruesome little story as much as I did when I first heard it. It was told to me when I was just a preteen, and I will tell you it did give me a few nightmares, 
and it did make me pull my covers up just a little tighter when I slept at night. Fortunately, I never saw Cammie's ghost. And as far as I know, it's only an urban legend, but who knows, perhaps it's not. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will be back in May to share a few more episodes of Scary Stories. I hope in the next episode that I'll share the story of another little girl ghost here in the South, one from Mississippi. So until then, keep those covers pulled up tight when you go to sleep tonight. (laughs) Keep those doors and windows locked, but... Please, please have a happy haunting.